John chapter 2,、uh, verse 23 to chapter 3,、uh, verse 21. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one Can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not be- receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the,、uh, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man. Be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, 
so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. What a beautiful scripture for us to think through today, uh, especially on the back of last week. Uh, if you recall, last week we were thinking through wrath and atonement and how we need to find ourselves in Jesus if we're going to escape the wrath of God that's coming against all unrighteousness. And yet that truth from last week is is really the heartbeat under this more uh, pleasant scripture here. And the most famous Christian verse, I guess, of all that we've just read now today, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, Lord willing, we'll spend a few weeks now unpacking that theology in terms of how it actually rolls out in our lives. Uh, for today, I just want us to sit with Jesus in the Gospel of John here, in John 3, and, and let Jesus frame for us how it must unfold for us, uh, particularly around uh, the idea here that our salvation is a work for us from God. Uh, not just in terms of the Father having put forward the Son to atone for our sin, as we thought through last week and as we read there in John 3.16, but even of us believing in that, as John 3.16 also says, that, that we would put our trust in that for salvation is also itself a work of God for us. And I hope then that we might go away from John 3 today with our heads just swimming as to how much God has truly done to save us. Uh, but actually, let's start at that little bit at the end of chapter 2 in verse 23 that we began with. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. As per that famous verse in John 3.16, there's, there's a great theme running through this gospel, according to John, as to whether people believe in Jesus or not. Uh, here in chapter 2 and verse 23, we read of many who believed in his name when they saw the signs that Jesus was doing. But of course, if you think about that, then it also means that others, therefore, did not believe. Verse 24 then takes us kind of into the engine room on, on that point of distinction in the sense that Jesus himself knows what's in each of our hearts. He knows who believes and who doesn't believe. Then we get a case example of, of Nicodemus in chapter 3, someone who sees Jesus' signs and, and recognises that in, in some way he is of God. Uh, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That sounds like Nicodemus is one of those in chapter 2 and verse 23 who believed in Jesus' name when he saw the signs Jesus was doing. Although he only goes as far as saying that, that Jesus is a teacher come from God and who God is with, 
So we may have more to learn yet, of course, as, as to who Jesus is, but at any rate, Jesus takes the conversation with Nicodemus deeper. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the first truth that I want us to take hold of today. Jesus is very clear with these words. Unless we are born again, or born from above, we could translate that there, then, then we simply cannot otherwise be a part of the kingdom of God. And that's heavy as you think that through. Nicodemus asks what should probably be the vital question for us as, as, as to how we can then do that. Um, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? But Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth by the Holy Spirit, not another physical birth by our mother. He answers again, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. To be born of water and the Spirit is an interesting phrase. It seems to be a metaphor of of being born again that he just said in verse 3. Uh, Jesus here might be going back to the prophet Ezekiel uh, uh, through whom God had promised such a thing. And I think it would be good for us to go back there actually, uh, if you have your Bible there, to Ezekiel 36, uh, which is on page 724, if you can keep a finger in John 3 there, on page 724 of the church Bibles, or Ezekiel 36 and verse 25. In Ezekiel 36.25, God had long ago promised uh, this, Ezekiel 36.25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God will give us new life by water and spirit, he had promised in those two verses. And maybe that's what Jesus is meaning in John chapter 3. Or maybe by uh, water uh, in John 3 verse 5, maybe Jesus is actually setting up a contrast uh, for this spiritual birth that he's trying to teach Nicodemus about and the physical birth that Nicodemus is kind of stuck on in his mind, that uh, we were carried in amniotic fluid uh, while we were formed by God in the womb of our mothers. Our, our entry to, the, to this well was marked by the, the release of that water, but now we need a new birth marked by the Spirit. Uh, maybe that's what Jesus means, in, in which case he's basically saying the same thing in verse 5 as he goes on to in verse 6, setting up the contrast uh, between these two kinds of birth to help Nicodemus catch his point. And verse 6 he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Either way, whatever he means by that phrase in verse 5, the point by now is, is quite clear. He has said it multiple times in multiple ways. We must be born again by the Spirit of God. And that idea actually was laid out 
by John at the start of his gospel, if you turn back just one page this time, uh, to chapter 1 and verse 12 of the gospel according to John. Uh, But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. To come into God's kingdom, to to come into God's family, another way of saying it there, we need to be born again, born again of God. Nicodemus might get that part, I guess, uh, perhaps, uh, who knows. But, But he doesn't seem to see how we can do such a thing. And Jesus' answer on that here is confronting and and quite blunt. We can't. We can't. It must be done of the Spirit, is his point. And he goes on in verse 8 to bring that truth home. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Just as we did not climb into our mother's womb in the first instance for our physical birth, nor can we do anything at all to somehow rebirth ourselves now. We need the other to birth us. That's how birth works, isn't it? I mean, birth is about as passive a thing on our end as passive can get. And so for this spiritual birth that Jesus is talking about, to be born from above of God requires the other to birth us. Spiritual rebirth is entirely the work of the Spirit of God. He must do this for us. It is as much out of our hands as the blowing of the wind. In Hebrew and Greek, the same word actually is underneath both wind and spirit. And so Jesus' teaching kind of rounds out here to a really beautifully neat point. But Nicodemus I think, has gotten lost in all this. And, and I think perhaps, if nothing else, he's lost on that one simple point, that the rebirth that we need to enter God's kingdom is, is entirely in the spirit of God's hands. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? To which Jesus then sets off towards that great gospel verse in verse 16. Uh, and as he goes <laughs> towards verse 16, he, he puts the focus of our salvation entirely upon God uh, along the way. Only the Son of Man, verse 13, can achieve salvation for us. Only if we believe in him, verse 15, will we have life. God did this for us, verse 16, and Uh, In verse 17 again, God did this. And it's for those, verse 18, who trust in him. Of course, Nicodemus, if we cut him some slack, Nicodemus doesn't yet know of the atonement of the cross that we sat here and thought through last week. Uh, But even uh, here on this basic matter of how to to come into the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, he's focused, he seems to be focused on, on what he can do towards that salvation rather than on what God must do if we are to be saved. Jesus is trying to do that. He's trying to lift Nicodemus's eyes up and put them on God. And he comes back to this truth too through John's Gospel, uh, if you read further later on, particularly around the point that we started on today in chapter 2 and verse 23 as to who does and does not believe in Jesus. In chapter 6, Jesus says about that, well, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, 
That's John 6.44. Hear that again. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Even our coming to Jesus and coming to a place of trust in Jesus is, well, that itself is a work of God, not a work of ourselves. He unfolds that even more a few verses later in chapter 6 and verse 63, if you're on that page. In chapter 6 and verse 63, he says, It is the Spirit who gives life. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. John, the writer, jumps in at that point and says, For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. He knew beforehand who did not believe in the end because to come to Jesus and to trust in Jesus is a work of God for people. And he said, uh, as the narrative goes on in John 6.65, Jesus said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father, unless we are rebirthed by God, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. We cannot even come to Jesus without that, he says. Back in John chapter 3, where we are today, interchangeably, it is, interchangeably in this scripture we've just read, in Jesus' words in John 3, those who are reborn by the Spirit Enter the kingdom of God. That's John 3, verse 3 through 8 in that first big paragraph there. Those who are reborn by the Spirit enter the kingdom of God. And yet those who believe in Jesus come into eternal life. John 3, 16. Let that interchangeability sink in. This is the same conversation with the same guy, Nicodemus, about the very same thing. To come to a point of trusting in Jesus, John 3.16, is to be reborn of God, verses 3 to 8. And to be reborn by the Spirit of God is to be brought to a living faith in Jesus. John, the writer here, wraps those two things together again in his letter later on. In 1 John chapter 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. What Nicodemus needs to know here in John 3 is what we need to know. We cannot save ourselves, is what this all boils down to. We cannot save ourselves. We need God to save us. We need the Spirit of God to come and give us life. Otherwise we are dead in our sin. Jesus' apostles then uh, keep exploring this and explaining this. They say it again elsewhere in scriptures uh, in that kind of language too. For example, in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved. Colossians 2, 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And so on and so on through scripture. For us to go from the death and darkness of sin into the life and the light of trusting in Jesus to atone for that sin, everything we've really talked about in the series so far this term, it, it all hinges on this new life. Life is needed, and only God is able to give life. So what Jesus is teaching here in John 3, and that his apostles continue to explore later, is vital for us to take hold of as clear and fundamental biblical truth. What we need to enter the kingdom of God, heaven or eternal life, or however you want to put it, what we need is that he should rebirth us anew. And we cannot do that for ourselves. Our salvation then, going by Jesus' words here in John 3, our salvation is a work of the triune God for those he loves. The Father, verse 16, uh, has so loved the world that he gave the Son the Son, in verse 14, was lifted up as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. The Holy Spirit, verses 3 through 8, rebirths us to be able to put our trust in that. God saves. We are but blessed to receive. What that teaching does away with is all the various forms of us-centric theology that are floating around, uh, such as the always popular idea that, you know, we are basically good people at heart, deep down, that we just need to tweak things a little bit to get ourselves to heaven, that we just need to make sure we keep getting the balance right between our good and bad deeds. All those kinds of ideas are cut to ribbons here by Jesus. We need to be reborn all over again of God if we would come into his kingdom of heaven. Later in John's Gospel, uh, if you do keep reading and keep reading, Jesus gives us something even more of, of the work of the Spirit in us. Once he has made us alive through this faith in Jesus Christ, that he also comes to us and, and dwells in us to renew us in faithful obedience to Jesus. In John 14, for example, he says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit of God who rebirthed us into this hope, dwelling in us then and, and helping us with what? Helping us to love Jesus and keep his commandments is the very context of those words. And he continues uh, to promise the indwelling spirit to his apostles, does Jesus, through chapters 14, 15, 16 of this gospel. And, and the spirit, of course, wrote the rest of his scriptures through Jesus' apostles, offering that same promise of his indwelling to all the children of God. 
that he will come with purpose to renew his people to be more like Christ and to, to bring them more and more under his word. As per that old promise in Ezekiel 36 and verse 27, that was the next verse after what we read, Ezekiel 36 and 27. And I will put my spirit within you, God promised. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Because those who are rebirthed for the kingdom of God must also then be readied for the presence of God for all eternity. I hope to come back to that uh, more in a couple of weeks as we keep trying to unpack how this gospel unfolds in our lives. But for today, it's enough for us to just see that, that we must first be reborn of God by the Holy Spirit into a, a, a living faith in Jesus to come into this kingdom and, and that then too he's going to start a process of renewal in our lives to make us ready for that kingdom that we have received. Rebirth is first needed and yet renewal is then promised too. If we don't catch what Jesus teaches here in John 3 about the Holy Spirit, that, that we must be born again by the Spirit, as he says there in John 3, to, to believe, uh, and that he will also uh, then indwell us too as, as believers and, and reshape us to be like Jesus, as, as he goes on to say in chapters 14 to 16, if we don't catch those things about rebirth and renewal by the Spirit of God, then then our whole theology falls down. And specifically, without catching the spirit of God's work for us in these things, we would fall into a completely false hope and a false confidence too. A false hope based on ourselves and our own works and our own religion even. Uh, we would live our lives thinking that we could bring ourselves into God's favour and into God's kingdom. That we could do such good in our lives as to earn our place with God, deserve our place with God. What that would mean under the hood, so to speak, is that we would only really do good things for that reason, uh, which would be the wrong reason, of course, and would therefore make all those things not good. Uh, if our lives were underpinned by the constant need to, to find and, and shore up and have confidence in our, our way into eternal life, then then our motives would always be tainted by that. Uh, and so as good as we might think that our deeds were, well, in some way they would always be geared towards ourself. Uh, indeed, the Bible reveals that nothing we might do can please God if it does not come from a heart of faith in him, of course. But Jesus has just taught us here that rebirth is needed to come into faith. And so just as Jesus said and his apostles said too, it is the Spirit who gives life, not our dead works. So without these truths of rebirth and renewal by the Spirit of God, we, we would deceive ourselves both as to our hope of eternal life and the means by which we thought we might get there. And, and, and all the while is the problem. We would happily probably think that we are so righteous, but actually we'd be being unrighteous by trying to do these things independently, or autonomously from the work that God has purposed to do for us by his Spirit. 
So we must catch this truth from Jesus in John 3 or everything else falls down. Our reception into the kingdom of God is entirely in the hands of the spirit of God, which truth is very hard to receive, but which truth gives us a great clarity, I reckon, when it comes to bear on our hearts as it slowly sinks in. It searches us this teaching here. It asks of us this teaching here. In what am I placing my hope? Am I actually sinfully focusing on me and my works? Am I thinking of all this like Nicodemus in, in terms of what I must do to be right with God? Am I trying to prove my own goodness to God? As if for me, you know, such a, such a rebirth as Jesus is talking about here isn't required. Do I think that I can just, you know, I can, I can deal with any of that renewal kind of stuff needed on my own? Thank you very much. Or have I taken all of that kind of thinking about me and, and, and thrown all of that away and, and just put all of my hope for heaven in Jesus and believed in his name? To which we might then ask, I guess one of two kinds of question. Uh, if we haven't yet come into this faith in Jesus, I guess we'd probably ask ourselves, well, how can I? How can I come to a place of trust in Jesus unless, as he says here, the Spirit rebirths me? It's out of my hands, doesn't it say here? This, it, it's his sovereign choice, doesn't all of this mean? Well, yes, that's what this means. But then if you find yourself wanting what Jesus is talking about here, wanting to be given this rebirth in, into the living hope of Jesus so that you too might be able to believe, then, then would that not be the beginnings of the Spirit at work in you? Yes, that would be the beginnings of the work of the Spirit in you. Rejoice, I would say to you, and then lean in even more to Jesus. Come towards this light that he speaks of here and find him even more. Or maybe on the other hand, we would come out of that clarifying kind of truth here about the work of the Spirit and we'd realise that, well, well, actually we have already come to that place of faith in Jesus. We, uh, we have actually surrendered everything of us and, and pinned all of our hopes of salvation in him, which then would give us great assurance from what Jesus says here, if you think it through, because that would mean that the Holy Spirit has marked us out for God. Uh, he has rebirthed us unto him. If we have come to depend upon Jesus as per that great line in John 3.16, this is the rebirth of the Spirit which Jesus speaks here in John chapter 3, verse 3. He has marked you out, therefore, for this eternal life in the kingdom of God, if this is true in your heart. Uh, through this faith that you have been given in Jesus Christ, well, then all of this is therefore true. And that faith will not somehow leave you short or, or high and dry. Uh, look across the page in verse 34. He gives the Spirit without measure. Without measure. You have been born from above so as to believe in Jesus Christ. 
and you will now continue to grow as a child of God. This is what Jesus is teaching us here in John 3. Praise God for that if it has happened in your heart and rejoice in the Lord Jesus. This beautiful work of the Spirit of God is alive and well in you. So too, if you know that much that you have come to a trust in Jesus, then you can know what lies in store for the rest of this life while you wait for that sure hope of heaven. You can know that the Holy Spirit will now be in you. Jesus promised it in John 14. You can know that he will be with you to reshape you in line with God's word. And therefore, knowing that he is with you and in you to do so, you can now step more confidently, more faithfully, let's say, too, into that process of change with him. And then here's the thing. All the more then, all the more as you slowly see him reshaping you, you can be ever more and more sure of your place in God's house. This is what he does for his children whom he has born. As I say, Lord willing, we'll keep exploring these things over the next couple of weeks. It's too much for today. It's too much for today. But let's, on this much, pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us in this scripture today. We thank you for what you say here, what, what, what we see here about you. Thank you for being a God who would rebirth us, sinners like us, that you would rebirth us in your grace. I thank you for the promise that Jesus does go on and add a little bit later in this gospel, that your spirit will also come and be with us and, and be with us forever, renewing us to be like you. Our Father, we pray you grant us to grow in the knowledge of these truths that Jesus speaks about in this gospel and, and that you would unfold for us both the challenge and the joy that they should bring to bear on us as your children now. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you for what you have done and still will yet do. Amen. Amen.